Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all listening to the Grind Ethics Mixtape Show, and I'm your host, Victory, BX Supreme Promoter, basically. You're right now, I'm on the line with my brother, Cela Rock, but before I present my brother real quick, anybody that liked this episode of the Grind Ethics Mixtape Show, y'all be very grateful if anyone could make a, a, a donation or bless me with a small donation. Uh, one of my goals is to build up a website, also build up a, a video production studio for Grind Ethics Media, and also to implement a big marketing campaign so I could build up a bigger fan base. Um, follow me on Twitter for your Twitter heads, Grind Ethics Twitter. Follow me on both of my Instagram pages, which is Grind Ethics Media and Grind Ethics Mixtape Show. And also, subscribe to my Grind Ethics Mixtape Show YouTube channel. Uh, every, almost everything is Grind Ethics. Grind Ethics Mixtape Show on YouTube. Subscribe to me. All right? And I'll subscribe to you back. But like I said, I'm here with my brother, pioneer rap artist from the 80s, C. LaRock. <laughs> you know, I have to give you that introduction, man. Yeah, I feel like I'm 90 years old, man, you know. This is C.L.A. Rock, you know. I mean, if I, if I, if I even um, give y'all a lot of history, I'm going to tell y'all Exactly. Yo, before we talk about all this music business shit, I want to know how the hell you went out with Rosie Perez. How was it like going out with Rosie Perez? <laughs> Another star. <laughs> I was just playing, bro. I was just playing. <laughs> but if you want to talk about it, you could talk about it. <laughs> I ain't front. I had a little crush on Rosie Perez back in the day, doing the um white man can't jump era. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> doing, doing the Spike Lee era. You know, I mean, she's an excellent dancer. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, she was. Yeah. Yeah, very special human being. You know, got chance to work with a lot of people, but so it's good. It's good. See the rock. Yo, so tell us. How you got started? Well, you you told us a little bit how you got started in the music business. So, elaborate on that. Yeah, you know, it's crazy because um, back then it seemed like everybody wanted to be a rapper, but we didn't have social media, we didn't have Facebook, Instagram, we had nothing. So, I mean, if you had to really prove a point, you had to really set goals in your neighborhood. You know, you had to really let people see what you were about in your neighborhood. And once they seen what you were about in your neighborhood, then it would spread to other neighborhoods. It would spread to other projects. You know, it was it was spread blocks and blocks and blocks and boroughs and boroughs. But you had to prove your point that you was better than this person, better than that person. 
You know, I might not have been a good rapper, but I had that voice that everybody loved. So, you know, once that was that was picked by this producer, before you know it, in a week or so, he had me in the studio. And um, everything took off from there. First label was Master Mix Records. And we had two singles, Break Fever and Break Loose. But we put out Break Loose. You know, and I was young, so I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know anything about no money. I didn't know anything about distribution. Only thing I knew that I was an entertainer. I love to rap. I love to sing. And I love to be seen. <laughs> you know, you put all those combinations together, you are an entertainer. You know, so, I mean, it's just so phenomenal now that, um, wow. But I know be saying is that rap music is um, in a different direction now from where we started back in the 70s. You know, um, it's, 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 anybody can get a record there with social media. Um, anybody can be famous now with social media. You know, I keep saying social media because it's taking over the world right now on social media. We didn't have that back then. We had to prove who we are. You know, and sorry to say that the record label we had. Master Mix Record, yeah, I'm calling y'all out. Master Mix Record, they didn't they didn't take care of us properly. You know, they didn't um, they didn't fulfill their obligation. You know, they don't um, exist no more right now. What labels exist right now? From going back to the '80s, Coach Chillin Records don't even exist no more. Or 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 B Boy Records don't exist. No records don't exist. Um, enjoy records don't exist. These are some of the record labels that Treacherous Street, the Cold Cut Brother was on. You know, um, a lot of these old school 80 record labels don't even exist no more. During the mid-90s, when you're, um, well, I won't put them out there like that. When your young executives started uh, coinciding with major deals, uh, things started to change. Uptown Records, you know, um, that Quincy had his hand in it, you know, Bad Boys Records. You know, um, you got to remember, uh, Russell Russ, Mr. Simmons, you know, he had his record label, but they always had somebody to back them up. You know, they all were child record labels, but they, as time went on, they became parents record labels. So they always had, they always had someone to back them up back then. But now today, it's like anybody can have a, 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 a record deal amongst yourself. You don't have to be signed to no big executive office record label. So we we really had to struggle back then to make things happen, you know. Now, um, you know, it's funny because earlier you said, since you were talking about making things happen, you said since, uh, you, you, you told me earlier that you was one of the first MCs that actually was independent. Now, have you ever, because nowadays, you know, with social media or now it's popular to be independent. But back in those days, if people, if you told people that you was an independent artist, they'll laugh at you, whatever. Have you had any criticism or backlash for being independent or doing things yourself? Well, you, you know, when, when Master Major Records let us down, um, I, was, I was a little bit irritated about that. But um, I, um, you know, sometimes you pick up. Where people left off at, or I won't say you copy, but you try to do the same thing that sometimes you may think that a lot of people look up to these record labels 
the record company like, wow, I got to get on. But you can do the same thing they're doing. You can get your own record label and do the same thing. You just have to have distribution. If you don't have distribution, you might as well hang it up. So when I had my, my label back then, I couldn't get distributed, but um, I was just putting out songs and demos and, and making sure that people heard it. But, you know, your stuff now don't get known worldwide if you don't have distribution. You know, that's the key thing that a lot of people have to really understand. With no social media back in the day, you had to have a distribution deal. No distribution deals, you, you just basically, you're just another rapper on the block. You know, and I struggled so hard to, to become independent because I know I felt comfortable with what I was doing. Uh, I started learning the business. So that word independent, such a big word, but independent, you have more control of what you put out. You have more control on how you go about distributing your song. And also you have more control in the studio, you know. So sometimes it takes a record label to hurt you, but it takes a major record label to disappoint you where you can say, hey, I can do this thing myself. And that's the type of mentality, that's the type of attitude I had back then, you know. And I think now, today, the younger generation, they have picked up on, shoot, I mean, they have picked up on a lot of stuff that we did, what their mother told them, their father told them about the old school rappers, where, as I said before, they can get on social media and become hot, become famous, you know. It's sad, but it's true, though. But I, I don't feel bad. I want everybody to eat. I want everybody to be comfortable within themselves. But when you when you're struggling and when you're trying to distribute your own label, when you're trying to be heard, it can get depressing. No one has money to pay the radio station DJ to spend their songs. You know, because while you paying record stations to spend your song, you paying studio time to put your song out. You know, so those are the difficulty times that that I experienced. But out of those times that I experienced, I had a good time doing it because I felt comfortable within myself. You know, I was the lead artist in the group. You know, we switched up. I mean, we changed group. Some members got discouraged, you know, and but I still kept going because you know sometimes music is a it's a it's an outlet, and music at that time was an outlet for me. You know, you don't have to be platinum. You don't have to go gold. There's a lot of MCs out here, I'm going to tell you, a lot of MCs, a lot of rap artists, especially during the 80s, are fire. I mean, when I say fire, I mean blazing. But they don't get the recognition. But they don't get signed to a major deal. It's sad, but it's true. It's funny how you say the recognition because, you know, people say that Fat Joe... Big shouts to Fat Joe. No disrespect to Fat Joe, but people say that Fat Joe is the first Puerto Rican rapper that came out. But commercially, yeah. But as far as citywide, maybe even nationwide, he wasn't really the first Puerto Rican rapper. It was, it was a, it was a brother. I, you, you probably know because that's why I want to, I want to know from you. Do you know who was the first Puerto Rican rapper? I think he was with, I think he was on, on the Fearless Five. Um, you have to, dogs. You're from the Bronx, man. Come on, look the fuck. You guys to come outside. Jazzy Black, giving Jazzy Black a shout out. You know, 
Um, in the Bronx, these guys just come outside and they used to spit on the mic. We call it MCing. And, um, and, and during that time, we had Puerto Ricans rapping. We had brothers rapping. Everybody was rapping. But to get on a major record label, which a lot of these kids don't realize that, was devastating Tilo from the Fearless Four. Puerto Rican, you know? Yeah, the Fearless Four. Yeah, that's why I thought. Fearless Five or Fearless Four? Yo, see, yo, 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 see, 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 see that again. See that again to the audience. That, that, that was, that was an ill jewel that you just dropped right now when you said, yeah, yeah, say that again. <laughs> Hip hop back in the day. 
Now you got on commercials, got on TV, you know, people just like, you know, acting like they were with it back then, but they wasn't because it made money. We didn't make the money back then, but as, as time progresses, money was a factor. And all people knew that they were going to make money back then was Russell Simmons, Rick Rubin, Andre Harrell, all those cats. That's why they developed their own record label, Uptown Records. Russell Russ Records. Death Jam. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't have no Death Jam back then. We was laughing. You for, you forgot about you forgot about um Sugar Hill Records, uh B Boy Records. <laughs> you on my nerve. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You fill it in the blanks, right? <laughs> yeah, you fill in the blanks. But um, Sugar Hill wasn't really supposed to get that deal. The Cold Crush Brothers was supposed to have gotten that deal. Oh, because of I I know the situation. I'm not even getting into it. But you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yo, like they always say, the first or the always the ones, the first of anything, are always the ones that get it the hardest. Yeah. <laughs> always. That's a known factor. That is a known factor. That's like you start your own company and you know you don't see millions until like another two three years. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people always thought that they're gonna become rich. You don't want to rap, rap be rich. It's more than that. It's a lot of, lot of things that goes on in the hip hop game that people don't know. It's a lot. Yo, let's talk. I'm sorry, you was about to say. Yo, you you was talking about Russell Simmons uh, uh, just earlier. Uh, you you was you was managed by Russell Simmons. How you how you met up with the brother? Uh, he was promoting um, his brother, DJ Ron, at the time. 
And um, him and Rick Rogan went to college on Westbury. And they would put the package deal together. If you watch Crunch Groove, Crunch Groove kind of, it, it kind of tells their story. But um, it's so funny because when I bumped into Simmons, he, uh, he was real cool, but uh, he didn't know that I was going to be around. He didn't know who I was. I knew who he was, you know. And it's just that he always had this ambition in his face, like, yo, don't ever think you can't. But he was very picky. He was very picky. He didn't put everybody on his face. Sometimes he'd turn you down and come to find out. I should have never done that. But it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure me meeting him, you know. And then I felt like, wow, okay, what's my next step? Even though we was rapping in the Bronx before that jam came about. Well, Russell Simmons and them in Queens, they were setting up shops to make this rap jam go through and further than what it's going. You know, you gotta understand, everybody used to go to Harlem World. Uh, everybody used to go to Latin Quarters, Roseland, all these cause hip hop clubs. A lot of people, they went just to see who was, who was out, just to see who was hot. You know, and you had executive producers and so forth. And, you know, I mean, if you get that call or you get that tap on your shoulder that you want to put to the studio, that's a blessing. That's a blessing. But they never talk to you about the money. You never told me about the money. The money always come last. Because they're trying to see how they can uh, put you out there to be successful. You see? So rap artists back in the 70s and 80s, very successful, but never made no money. Never made no money. And one of the hottest MC on the block. So and tell... How, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. You see how far, so you see how far we've gotten. Yeah. Uh, we're... Um, Wow. <laughs> I mean, we've gotten real far. We had a different, I don't even, sometimes I have to pinch myself. It's 2020, but <laughs> we, we came a long way with hip hop. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we came a long way with hip hop, man. Um, it's a blessing. You know, man, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm proud of these young rappers that are getting here, you know, and, but, you know, if we can only go back to MC, just take it one time back to MC, oh, man. Because we still here. We still left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We ain't dying out. We still here. But we can take it back to MC, that real MC. Oh my God. Now, let me ask you this question. What did Russell Simmons actually, yeah, what did Russell Simmons actually done for you? I'm going to keep it just simple, plain, simple, and dry. What did he actually done for you as a manager? Okay. Okay. That made me become like, hey, I can do this. 
get my group up and make it happen. No doubt. You know, learn the studio boards, learn everything, make it happen. You know, sometimes people can be your inspiration, you don't even know it. Exactly. Yo, we're going to stop right here. We're going to do a part two because, you know, you like to talk forever. <laughs> we're going to do a part two interview because a lot of y'all have short attention spans. So we're going to do a part two interview because I'm going to keep it rock. I can listen to a whole. I just don't like one hour interviews, but I can listen to like at least a 45, a 40 minute, 45 minute interview, whole interview. But anyway, we're going to stop right here on the Grind Thinks Me Safe show. We're going to get back with my brother, pioneer rap artist, Cela Rock. Know what I mean? And remember, peoples, tell a friend and tell a friend that is all about the motherfucking grind, basically. We're going to come back. We're coming back, though. Don't, come, don't go nowhere.